peeps. You're listening to She's My Cherry Pie, the baking podcast from the Cherry Bomb Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jesse Sheehan. I'm a baker, recipe developer, and author of three baking books, including my latest, Snackable Bakes. Each Saturday, I'm hanging out with the sweetest bakers around and taking a deep dive into their signature bakes. Today's guest is Margarita Mansky, the award-winning pastry chef who is a big part of the baked good revolution in Los Angeles. Margarita and her husband Walter own and operate the popular Republique, Bicyclette, and Mansky in the city, as well as Wildflower Bakery, which has 16 locations in the Philippines, Margarita's home country. Margarita is also an author, and her book, Baking at Republique, Masterful Techniques and Recipes, was released in 2019. Earlier this year, Margarita was awarded the James Beard Award for Outstanding Pastry Chef. I am so excited to chat and to take a deep dive into her coconut cream pie, the recipe for which can be found in her book. Stay tuned for my chat with Margarita. Thank you to Plugra Premium European Style Butter for supporting today's show. I've been using Plugra Butter ever since my first baking job. My fellow bakers introduced me to Plugra as the butter to use and the one with the best flavor. It was also the butter that they used at home, which says a lot. Ever since then, I've relied on Plugra for all of my baking projects, like testing recipes for my cookbooks and my freelance recipe development work and trying the recipes we talk about here on the podcast. Everything from chocolate chip cookies to galettes, pound cake, hand pies, shoe pastry, and blondies. The pastry chefs and bakers I interview all agree, and they are the best in the business. Ingredients matter. And a quality butter is key to all of these baked goods. Plugra Premium European-style butter is a great choice because it contains 82% butter fat. Also, it's slow-churned, making it more pliable and easy to work with. My go-to are the unsalted sticks. I get to control the amount of salt in the recipes, and the sticks are individually wrapped, which makes them easy to measure. If you don't have a scale, no problem. Sticks or solids, salted or unsalted, whichever you prefer, Plugra Premium European-style butter is the perfect choice from professional kitchens to your home kitchen. Ask for Plugra at your favorite grocery store or visit Plugra.com for a store locator and recipes. Let's check in with today's guest, Margarita. So excited to have you on She's My Cherry Pie and to talk coconut cream pie with you and so much more. Thanks for having me here. I'm super excited as well. Yay! So I've had the pleasure of eating at Republique many times, and I adore its bountiful display case filled with your pastries and baked goods. And I wonder if you could describe what one sees in the case when they enter the restaurant, and in so doing, if you could also describe your dessert style. Well, the idea of the pastry case being right where you enter is to kind of like give you an element of excitement especially for those who love pastries, because yes, it is the first thing you see when you come in the door. This 18 foot or so long pastry case, and it's totally, especially on the weekends, packed with a variety of pastries. It's the same feeling, I guess, I get when I go into a place and I see, first thing I see are pastries, and that's what excites me and what makes me happy and and totally want to eat there. 
So that's what we wanted to give our customers, like that feeling as well. The philosophy, at least my philosophy for my desserts or pastries is that less is more. I don't really like too many components in one dessert. I like to feature or highlight like one fruit, you know, and and then just add elements to it that will make it taste better and not really muddle the flavor. And you say, I love this, you break the rule of bakeries everywhere by putting all the treats in the case in the morning. The quote is one heroic push. And I love that. <laughs> why is that breaking why is that breaking a bakery rule? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's the idea is to put out everything at once that we bake fresh right up till we open. And it's one big push as far as we sell out and there's no more, you know, refilling the case or anything like that. So you got to get there early or you're going to miss out. So you come from a very close-knit cooking and restaurant family. And I I read that you started cooking at age seven in your mom's restaurant in Manila Mm -hmm. and also in your parents' resort. I heard it described as a hotel, a restaurant, a resort, and that You said that you've always known that you wanted to own a restaurant one day, and today you own many. Mm. Before you even knew this, before you went to not one, but two culinary schools, how did you know that you would own a restaurant one day and why? What about being around restaurants your whole childhood made you want one yourself or made you want to run one yourself? When I was seven years old, I think from the time my my mom brought me to the restaurant because she didn't have a sitter (laughs) (laughs) and I needed to be there, I think I just naturally just fell into it from childhood. I never really thought of anything else, to be honest with you, was really never interested in anything else other than being in the kitchen And there were times I remember when I was a kid that my mom couldn't bring me to work. When you're a kid, sometimes it's more of a hassle unless you really need to bring your kid to work, to bring them to work. And she would make me stay home. And I would just remember just crying and bawling and saying, I want to go. And and she would have to like distract me with a bowl of mixing flour or whatever at home. And then once I would get busy with that, then she would slip out and go to work. (laughs) So, yeah, I think I just naturally enjoyed it, being in the kitchen and whether they would have me crack eggs or mix this or mix that or scoop this. I just really enjoyed myself being in that environment and keeping myself busy working with food. And during our summers, that's where we would go. Like my whole family would work in the restaurant business with my mom and my dad and helping out. And I, in particular, and my sister would be in the kitchen helping out. So I wasn't interested in music. I wasn't interested in art. I wasn't interested in anything else but being in the kitchen. Of course, the the dream was, yeah, I want to own my own restaurant one day like my parents or maybe take over their business or help out. And there wasn't really anything else. You've said that you have had very little formal education in pastry, which is particularly remarkable in light of the fact you've been nominated in the James Beard Awards Outstanding Pastry Chef category for eight consecutive Mm -hmm. years running and a win for Outstanding Pastry Chef or Baker in 2023. 
So when you were at the Cordon Bleu and at the CIA, you just focused on savory? There was no, was there a pastry unit? When I was at the Cordon Bleu, I did a part of it in pastry. I did both pastry and savory. But at the CIA, it was just the savory part of it, although they had maybe a couple weeks of pastry. The thing about pastry is that when I was a kid, that's what I loved to do. I loved to bake. And I was pretty confident in it. It came naturally to me. As I got older and I really knew that I really wanted to be in the restaurant business, cooking in the kitchen, I was very insecure about my cooking skills. I, I wasn't confident about seasoning this correctly or how to saute this correctly. So I, that's what I pursued. And I said I have to, to learn how to cook first before opening my own restaurant. <laughs> Because I was already confident in pastry, and I, I, like, I loved it. When I graduated, the jobs that I pursued were also in the kitchen. I did develop my cooking skills, and I really enjoyed it as well. The pastry part was really, I, I don't want to say an accident, but it wasn't planned. Mm-hmm. We moved to Carmel, and we opened this tiny restaurant with 50 seats. And we couldn't hire a pastry chef because 50-seat restaurant... There was only four of us in the kitchen, eventually five. The person with most pastry experience was me. <laughs> and so it fell on me. And they just said, just make whatever you know. And eventually, my husband and I, you know, he's the cooking part, and I'm the bread and pastry part. That's how it turned out. We'll be right back. Today's episode is presented by California Prunes. I'm a California Prunes fan when it comes to smart snacking and baking. First off, California Prunes are good for your gut, your heart, and even your bones. Prunes contain dietary fiber and other nutrients to support good gut health, potassium to support heart health, and vitamin K, copper, and antioxidants to support healthy bones. And of course, prunes are a great addition to scones, cakes, and crackers. Anything you're baking that calls for dried fruit, consider California prunes. Prunes work perfectly in recipes with rich and complex flavors like espresso, olives, and chilies. And they enhance the flavor of warm spices, toffee, caramel, and chocolate. If you love baking swaps and experimenting with natural sweeteners, you can replace some of the sugar in a recipe with California prune puree. Prune puree is a cinch to make, as it's a blend of prunes and water. You can find more details on the California Prunes website, californiaprunes.org. While you're there, be sure to check out all the delicious recipes, including the salty snack chocolate fudge with pretzels and California prunes, inspired by the recipe from my cookbook, Snackable Bakes. Happy baking and happy snacking. Hi, everybody. I'm Carrie Diamond, the founder of Cherry Bomb and the editor-in-chief of Cherry Bomb magazine. The Cherry Bomb online shop is temporarily closed because we're switching warehouses. If you're looking for the newest issue of Cherry Bomb, be sure to visit one of our amazing stockists. Cherry Bomb is carried by great bookstores, cafes, magazine shops, and culinary boutiques across the country and abroad. Places like Back in the Day Bakery in Savannah, Good Cakes and Bakes in Detroit, and La Decette Patisserie in San Francisco. Visit cherrybomb.com for a stockist near you. So now we're going to talk about the coconut cream pie. Buko is a young coconut 
Although a traditional buko pie is a double-crusted with chunks of young coconut, and your version is a teeny bit different because it's a single single crust blind baked mm-hmm. pie with pastry mm-hmm. cream. I love this. The bottom, and we're going to talk about it, but the bottom is smeared with this incredible coconut jam. Then there's the coconut pastry cream. Then there's whipped cream. And I think a, I read there's whipped cream because you love whipped cream. And just mm-hmm. I wanted to like just a high five to whipped cream because I love whipped cream too. <laughs> so first things first with this recipe, we're going to make pot brise. Pot brise is just a fancy word for pie dough, correct? Correct. Yeah. And I thought this was really interesting. With your recipe, you use a stand mixer. And I feel like a lot of people think you should use your hands or you should use a food processor. What makes you like to use the stand mixer? We have to make lots of it. (laughs) (laughs) And it's the easiest way to mix a big batch of dough. The paddle works great, mixing the butter and the flour together and and breaking it down into pea-sized pieces, coating that fat with the flour. Yep. So, I mean, either one, you know, I've used both. Small batches I use, I just use my hands yep. in a bowl. Big batches I use a, a stand mixer with a paddle. Is it just like a huge Hobart at the restaurant? It's not like a KitchenAid? Or yeah, something. I think we have a, a Globe and a Hobart, yep. which they both work very well. Yep. So in the stand mixer, we're going to mix some flour. We use central milling flour right now. And sometimes King Arthur is great too, yep. Sir Galahad, yep. for all-purpose flour. So it's all-purpose flour, sugar, fine sea salt. And is is there a reason you use fine rather than kosher or do you? I like the flavor of sea salt better than kosher. Mm-hmm. I think it's just cleaner. And kosher salt is really light. So as, as far as my recipes, you know, the sea salt, if I use kosher salt, I tend to put more and it it just doesn't work with my recipes I think the one that we use right now is Justo's Mm -hmm. sea salt yeah then you're gonna add kind of a lot of high fat butter and kind of blend it till pea size should we have our if we wanted to try and give it a try in a stand mixer even if we were only making one pie would you put Mm -hmm. it on a low speed at this at this point yes okay definitely low speed okay perfect and the butter is very cold butter has to be cold Uh, a lot of times we put it in the freezer for a good 30 minutes. After you cube it? After we cube it, yeah, yep. before we add it to the flour into the mixer. Then you're going to add some water and some vinegar. The water is very cold as well? Yeah, yep. yep. correct. And a little bit of vinegar. Is that for tenderness? Yes. We use apple cider vinegar. We've also used white vinegar. We've. It's just really the acid, mm-hmm. something that's more neutral and obviously not a balsamic vinegar yeah. <laughs> or anything darker. Then you're going to pat your dough into a disc, chill it for at least an hour, and then pull it from the fridge and bang it with your rolling pin. Is there a kind of rolling pin? We use wooden rolling pins at work, and it's just like a uniform all the way down. It, it doesn't, doesn't taper. Have the one that tapers, yep. yeah. Yep. And the banging is just to sort of, you want it to be cold, but the banging sort of helps to soften it a little bit, loosen it up. Yes, exactly. And then I love this because I do this as well. You put the disc that's now sort of flattened out a bit between two pieces of parchment before you roll it out. Can you tell us why you do that? That's just really to prevent from sticking because I sometimes, depending on how cold your room is, if it's not cold enough to keep the dough from getting too soft right away. I like to put it in between two parchment papers so I can 
roll it and then turn it, roll it, turn it, roll it, turn it easily without having to lift up the dough when it starts to get warm and then it starts to kind of like deform and maybe tear for easy handling of the dough. Yeah, I love it also because I I like to keep things very tight and clean when I work and I love mm-hmm. that I'm not having to flour my counter. Exactly. And also the too. I think this is true, right? When I use parchment, it means I'm using much less flour because we're not mm-hmm. worried about the stickiness. So I feel like exactly. cleanliness and less flour, it's like a win. Win. <laughs> yeah. If you use parchment, sometimes it gets tight, right? I just loosen it by peeling the parchment off and then putting it back on. Yep. Then you're going to transfer it to a 10-inch pie plate. And do you peel off the top and then flip it over into the pie plate and then peel off the other piece? Yes, you're good. (laughs) You know what you're talking about. Yeah, try it. (laughs) We're using a 10-inch pie plate. And I Mm -hmm. wonder, do you like glass? Do you like metal? What we use at work is either ceramic or glass. Okay. I like glass because I like to be able to see if the bottom has browned, but Mm -hmm. I also love, I do feel like the metal just can make for a very beautiful, even crust and sometimes a little faster. And I know this is a 10-inch pie plate. Do you think it would work in a 9-inch or is it really, you might have some overflowing pastry cream? You can definitely use a 9-inch. I've used a 9-inch before. Okay, great. It works. Now we're going to crimp the edge of the dough and freeze for about 20 minutes and then blind Mm -hmm. bake at about 350 degrees for about 40 minutes with parchment and pie weights and then take those off and go another 20 minutes till golden brown. I thought this was so interesting because usually I feel like instructions to par bake are much, the temperature is much higher and it's for maybe Mm -hmm. a shorter amount of time. How did Mm -hmm. you land on 350 for your par bake? We've done trial and error here, and this is what we've concluded. And that's also, to be very honest, we're baking lots of things. Of course. Sometimes at the same time. Yep. The good temperature to compromise for a lot of baking stuff is 350, 325 or 350. Yep. So that time is good for 350 temperature. So next thing we're going to do is make the coconut jam. And I just love, Mm -hmm. I've never made a coconut jam. I cannot wait to do so. But you're going to simmer some coconut cream. And is that sort of the unsweetened coconut cream you see in a can in the grocery store? Yes. I like Chaoko. I find that when I use the other brands, sometimes they are not creamy enough and they're watery. They don't have the right consistency. So we're simmering our coconut cream with some brown sugar. I wondered why brown rather than granulated? Brown sugar gives it more of like a caramely, molassesy taste than white sugar. And then a little bit of fine sea salt, which we talked about, and we're going to mm-hmm. simmer over medium heat. Is there a type of saucepan that you like to use? Maybe it's different in the restaurant versus home, or maybe not? As long as it, for me, is like a heavy bottom stainless steel pan. I don't like to use aluminum because sometimes it discolors and it gives off like a certain metallic aftertaste. So I always go stainless steel and the best ones are the heavy bottomed ones so it doesn't scorch right away. So we're going to cook until very thick, about 20 to 30 minutes. And are we stirring continuously and are we on like a very low heat? We stir every five to 10 minutes or so, just to make sure that it's not scorching in the bottom or, or sticking or anything like that. And you use like a whisk or a spatula or does it really not matter as long as you're kind of making sure the bottom is being moved around? 
I use a heat resistant spatula mm-hmm. or a wooden spoon, but a spatula works great. Do we have like a low heat or medium low, something like that? Medium low is good, just as long as it's simmering, okay. but bubbling, but not boiling. And I can imagine the jam just adds incredible flavor. But what's what's the purpose of the jam in this pie? Is it a different texture as well as more of a bright coconut flavor? You know, you cook down the coconut cream so it caramelizes and it just gives a different, it's a very different flavor, coconut flavor from the young coconut. You kind of taste two different coconut flavors in the pie. Who doesn't like caramel? <laughs> and so this is kind of like the caramel part of it, but it's coconut jam. Does it need to come to room temp before we're going to use it in the pie dough? Or does it need to be cold? Room temp, yeah, you can't. I mean, I wouldn't use it straight out of the pan. After you cook it, you need to cool it down, and then it sets a little bit, just like jam. It, it's kind of still loose right after you cook it, but then when you, you cool it down, refrigerate it, it sets a little bit, and then you spread it. Next, we're going to make the coconut pastry cream. We're going to use a whisk. Um, is there a type of whisk you like? The metal whisks. It's kind of like the whipping whisk. Mm-hmm. We're going to whisk together some whole milk, some cornstarch, some egg yolks in a bowl. And again, is it sort of at the restaurant, it's big metal bowls? Yeah, a stainless steel bowl yep. is always good to use because it doesn't really impart any aftertaste. It keeps the flavor clean, yep. whereas plastic sometimes has a smell of another food or whatever. You wouldn't use glass bowls in the restaurant? Glass bowls are not in the restaurant. I use it at home. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So whisk the milk, the cornstarch, egg yolks in a bowl, set that aside. Now we're going to cook some coconut milk, whole milk, granulated sugar, and vanilla in the stainless steel saucepan. And we're going to boil that, whisking constantly, and then temper that egg yolk mixture. Put a little bit of the egg yolk mixture in and whisk, whisk, whisk until the eggs come to, to the same temperature as the warm coconut milk mixture. And then once it's all together, whisk for about one minute. Is that just to make sure that cornstarch gets activated? Yeah, just to make sure the cornstarch is cooked so that it doesn't give off that starchy flavor or that taste in the tongue of uncooked starch. Also, I feel like sometimes... smooth and velvety. Yeah, sometimes if you pull too soon, it won't set because the cornstarch never never got hot enough. Then we're going to transfer this mixture to the stand mixer again, fitted with a paddle attachment, and then on low speed, while it's hot, you're going to start to add your butter. Does this, the pastry cream at this point, have to be hot? Could you bring it to room temp and add the butter, or do you want it to be hot when you add the butter? You can normally bring it to a temperature where it doesn't totally melt the butter, but it melts it slowly to emulsify Mm -hmm. in the pastry cream. So you wouldn't want all of the butter to melt immediately, but you want it just to be that sort of sweet spot, as you said, where it emulsifies. exactly. Um, And then you continue to mix until the mixture cools down. And now you're going to add some fresh, young coconut meat in like Mm one-inch pieces. Is that from like a fresh coconut, like a green coconut? Yes. I mean, you you can buy it in Asian grocery stores, or I've seen it in regular grocery stores as well. But definitely in Asian ones. And it, it comes already peeled, and sometimes it's wrapped in plastic. It's the white coconut. I'm just imagining, because I, I can't wait to make this, but I'm imagining mm-hmm. when you eat it, you the chunks are in the pastry cream. Yes. Yeah, I love that. It's yes. like a third texture. And Yeah, and, so yeah, you and, definitely get the texture of the, the young coconut. 
And it's pretty soft when it's young, right? When it's at that, when it's still coming out of a green, a green coconut. So now we pour into a container. I assume that can be any container you have. Mm -hmm. You just want to cover the top with plastic so it doesn't form a skin and Mm -hmm. then keep it room temperature while you continue with assembly or do you stick it in the fridge briefly? Do you want it to be cold? It's cooled down already in the mixer. And then you you put the the plastic cling film on top and then I normally stick it in the fridge. But if I'm going to use it right away, I just put it straight in the pie. Now we're going to make some toasted coconut, and you're going to toast unsweetened shredded coconut. I wondered if there was a brand, or is that just sort of a local product you're getting? Yeah, I mean, as long as it's the shredded one, I think there's a couple. You can get the shredded one that looks like little pieces of string, Mm -hmm. but you can also use the wide variety where it's not shredded and it's unsweetened. Because those toast really well, too, and they look really nice on top of the I agree. I love that. And I love this. We're going to toast in a heavy-bottomed pan over medium heat. I always use the oven. Is there a reason you guys use the stovetop? Is it the issue of room in the oven? Or do you prefer to toast nuts and coconut and things like that on the stovetop? The stovetop, when I'm toasting a small amount, and obviously you have to continuously toss it in the pan, but... We use the oven for nuts, for big batches, whichever you're more comfortable doing, honestly. Now we're going to make the coconut whipped cream, which is stand mixer, whisk attachment, and we're whisking cream, confection, or sugar on low speed, then increasing the speed as the cream begins to stiffen, and then whipping until stiff peaks. I will sometimes use coconut extract, which I know for many is not okay. But I wondered (laughs) if there was any coconut flavor you ever thought about trying to put in the whipped cream for yet another kind of coconut experience, or if you kind of like that there is part of this cake that's still creamy and milky, but in a very kind of clean, unflavored way. I don't like using extracts as much as, and I'm not saying I've never used it. I have used it before (laughs) and I don't see anything wrong with it. But sometimes for me, some of the extracts give an artificial flavor. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of, for me, there's a lot of coconut in the pie already. And I don't think it's necessary to put a flavoring that sometimes I think sometimes gives off an artificial flavor. Mm -hmm. For me, that kind of ruins it a little bit. What I have done, though, is if I want to have a coconut cream or whipped cream, is I infuse coconut flakes or even toasted coconut into the cream, bring it up to a boil with the sugar in it already, and strain that. And then I add, a, and it's in the cookbook as well, there's a recipe for that cream. And I add a little bit of kappa carrageenan, which is It's just a really, really small amount to make the cream. It's kind of like a stabilizer. Mm -hmm. And you cool that cream down, and then it sets because of the carrageenan. And then you're able to whip that into like a really nice consistency, really velvety and smooth. That sounds delicious. I wonder if you could also even just take the heavy cream, infuse it with the coconut, maybe overnight, like a cold infusion or even a warm infusion. And then... Once it's cold again, you so maybe the cold infusion is the way to go. That would be yummy as well. So now we assemble. We're going to spread the coconut jam on the bottom of the pie shell, spread the pastry cream on top of that, spread the whipped cream on top of that, filling the pie till it's just below the rim, sprinkle with the toasted coconut, and then refrigerate for about three hours to eight hours? Yep. Yeah, you would want it to set definitely because you want clean slices. If you slice it right away, it's just going to... 
you know. <laughs> You'll be sad. Yeah. And I know there's also a like a mango passion fruit version of this cream pie. Can you tell us about the mango passion yeah. fruit cream pie? When mangoes are in season and they're called Manila mangoes, they're very similar to the mangoes that we have in the Philippines. They come from Mexico, I believe. When this is in season, our guests go crazy over it. <laughs> it's a version of it, except that we add passion fruit curd in the bottom of the pie instead of the coconut jam. And then it's the same pastry cream with the coconut, or you can take the coconut out either way, and then the whipped cream on top. And then we fill the top with fresh cut mangoes, and it's delicious. That sounds incredible. Is the mango underneath the whipped cream, or is there no whipped cream? It's the whipped cream, and then the mangoes covering. The whole pie is covered with mangoes. You can't see the whipped cream. So when you slice into it, you get fresh mangoes, the whipped cream, the pastry cream, and the passion curd. Oh, my gosh. And the flavors go very well together. Oh, that sounds so (laughs) delicious. (laughs) I just wanted to ask you about one or two other recipes from the book. Can you tell us about the thick-cut caramelized French toast? It sounds so delicious. I'm not like a big French toast person. (laughs) It is. It's one of our signature dishes during the daytime, the cafe. And when we opened... Walter, my husband, just said, why don't you just bake these gigantic brioche loaves? And instead of what, 10 years ago, maybe everybody would do the French toast like in thinner pieces and a lot of them shingled. He just thought, let's just make one big slab of a brioche French toast. And that's what we did. Before we put the French toast in the pan, we put some sugar on the pan down, caramelize it a little bit, and then put the French toast on top. So then as it cooks, the sugar caramelizes and it all sticks to the the French toast. It has like a layer, a thin layer of caramelized sugar. I love your husband for the slab genius situation. That is so smart. I can picture the the thin shingled pieces and I'm like, give me a slab. I know. I know, I know. And it's great because you think that it's a big slab and it's a thick French toast. But then when you put your fork into it, it's the most fluffy, tender because it's warm and it's And does the bread, because it's so thick, do you soak it in the custard overnight or? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we do. At least an hour, but if not overnight. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for chatting with me today, Margarita. And I just want to say that you are my cherry pie. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. That's it for today's show. Thank you to Plugra Premium European Style Butter and California Prunes for their support. Don't forget to subscribe to She's My Cherry Pie on your favorite podcast platform and tell your baking buddies about us. Be sure to check out our other episodes and get tips and tricks for making the most popular baked goods around, from birthday cake to biscuits to blondies. She's My Cherry Pie is a production of the Cherry Bomb Podcast Network and is recorded at CityVox Studio in Manhattan. Our producers are Carrie Diamond and Catherine Baker. Our associate producer is Jenna Sadu, and our editorial assistant is London Crenshaw. Thank you so much for listening to She's My Cherry Pie. And happy baking!